Hello and welcome to the latest Guernsey Green Finance podcast, rated one of the top 10 most useful sustainable finance podcasts by the Green Finance Guide. Guernsey is one of the jurisdictions leading the way in green and sustainable finance and as part of this podcast series we'll be speaking to and learning from some of the leading global figures in the field. My name is Rosie Alsop. I'm Communications Director at We Are Guernsey. We're the promotional agency for Guernsey's finance industry. And today, I'm delighted to be speaking to Ross Keeling, Origination Director, Sustainable Finance Europe for HSBC. Today, as well as topical trends in uh, sustainable finance, we'll also be discussing some of the key takeaways from Guernsey's Sustainable Finance Week, where HSBC kindly sponsored the day where we discussed the energy transition. So welcome, Ross. Hi, good morning, Rosie. Um, It's a pleasure to be here today. Um, hope, hope, hope you're keeping well out, out, out in Guernsey. I, I can miss missing the place already since my last oh, visit. The sun is always shining. <laughs> yeah, those beautiful blue skies. Exactly. So um, let's kick off by introducing you to our listeners. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your background and your work at HSBC? Absolutely, sure. So so thanks for the intro, Rosie. My name is, is Ross Keeling. Um, I, I work as an origination director here in HSBC's uh, European sustainability team for our commercial banking division. Um, I joined the bank nine years ago. Um, and during that time, I've, I've worked uh, as a relationship manager uh, covering a variety of different sectors from uh, large corporate to renewables, infrastructure um, and real estate. My first uh, job in the financial industry was was with a Belgian bank called KBC, and my my initial role was in international project finance, where I got my first taste for the renewable sector, infrastructure, and the energy uh, sector, and and you know got a real taste for 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 a sector um, that's been pretty close to my heart for for many years. Um, I moved then to one of the Irish um, leading Irish banks called Allied Irish Banks, um, and I covered the food and agri sector there for for three years uh, before I moved into to the role in in HSBC. Um, I'm based in Dublin, uh, but I'm covering um, all of our European uh, countries, and my role and focus is really on the origination of sustainable finance transactions um, across the region. Um, with a particular focus on you know the sustainable infrastructure space, so that's renewables, um, infrastructure, climate technology, energy transition. Um, that's that's kind of my 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 key area of focus. Um, so um, it was great to get out to to, to Guernsey recently and um, you know get get a feel for what is a very topical um, point at the moment and 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 discuss the energy transition uh, with, with with some really really interesting um, fellow panelists. Oh, that's great, um, and and that's a great introduction. Thank you. <laughs> Now, you know, as you mentioned, you were one of our guests at Sustainable Finance Week, um, and it does sound like you did enjoy your visit and you and you met up with some really interesting people. Um, would you be happy to talk about some of the highlights or, or learnings that that you um, that you gleaned from Sustainable Finance Week? Absolutely, yeah. So, so um, you know, firstly, I think the event was a fantastic event, um, very well organized, very well attended, um, and really, you know, I got the sense from everybody at the event that it, it was not only was it a very enjoyable event, but it was really a very um, educational event, and and I think everybody came away, um, you know, having learned something and having picked up um, some some useful information and and, and contacts and networks. 
I think for me, probably the real highlight was actually uh, getting to know some of my my fellow panelists um, for the energy transition discussion. And I just felt that the actual discussion on the day was was really interesting. Um, we had some very diverse and interesting views, you know, from 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 a range of different um, you know uh, perspectives within the finance industry. Um, and really brought to life by some some tangible examples, which I always think is 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 the best way to you know to bring this to life. And we had you know discussions on fascinating projects, um, you know, such as green hydrogen projects, which which um, Harry from Octopus is working on. Um, we discussed you know vertical farming, uh, which Peter was was working on a fascinating project in in, in the UK. Um, and you know, from my own perspective, discuss things like EV gigafactories, which are you know really becoming um, a very important enabler of the of the transition of the auto industry um, across Europe. So, I just felt that it was a really rich um, and engaging discussion, um, and and I was delighted and, and honoured to to you know to speak alongside my my fellow panelists. Another key highlight, I think, was really Adam Adam Matthews' um, keynote speech, and um, you know, Adam is 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 just an enormous um, source of, of of knowledge within the whole space. Um, but his keynote speech really brought home to me just how important it is to try and bring the whole economy on this on this journey. Um, Adam illustrated that with a really um, you know pertinent example from from the mining industry, and if we think about you know the electrification of um, of the transport industry, and um, you know the, the rollout of EVs across Europe and and, and globally. Um, you know, it's great to be involved in the financing of of, of those factories and the the charging infrastructure, etc. But it's really important also to think about you know what goes into those batteries and um, where, how, and where do we get our lithium, uh, our nickel, and our cobalt, and all those precious. Um, you know, rare earths that 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 are that are so important in in this um, in this energy transition. And similarly, if we look at things like you know rolling out um, wind farms, you know, there's there's a hell of a lot of copper, for example, that is required um, to actually de- deliver a wind farm. And Adam made a really, really, um, I thought a really strong point um, that you know we we can't just forget industries, for example, like mining, which you know. Uh, as I think many people will, will be aware, do have you know some some challenges, um, and 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 if we're actually going to deliver a, a a a transition which brings everybody along, that we need to look at at those sectors you know that are difficult to abate emissions, that may have challenges in in working practices and health and safety issues, and um, and bring everybody along on that journey, um, so that we're not just focusing on the you know the the obvious green investments, but we also must focus on transitioning the the wider economy, um, which I uh, which I th- which I thought was a really good point, and 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 um, you know illustrated by a, a very pertinent example from from the mining industry. So they were they were key highlights for me, Rosie. Um, you know there were there were there were lots of fascinating discussions and, and, and presentations, but um, from from my own perspective, I think they were t- certainly two highlights. I, I agree with you with um, with regard to Adam and actually the panel discussion as well. There was a lot uh, to, to unpack there. This is, you know, this is a debate that can go for miles and miles. And as you say, mm. lots of different perspectives to, to to bring to the table there. So it was great. Now, Absolutely. as you say, um, the energy transition has been in the spotlight over the last couple of months uh, and, and, you know, many big questions to to ask and to answer. But could you set the scene a little on how the energy transition and the current energy crisis affects the financial services industry? 
Yeah, absolutely, Rosie. So, it's, I mean, it's a, it's probably one of the key questions that that comes up in all client discussions at the moment is is you know the energy crisis, um, the escalating cost of energy, um, and 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 in some in some countries, you know, potential real potential concerns about um, you know blackouts and and um, and and you know, cold cold temperatures affecting you know gas reserves, etc. Particularly pertinent in some countries such as such as Germany. I think you know taking a big picture view here um you know i think that the the, the climate transition is fundamentally an energy transition with with energy accounting for in excess of of 70% of of uh, of greenhouse gas emissions so this is really you know uh, the energy crisis um is is really sort of drawing attention i think to to the hub of the problem here is an over reliance on on fossil fuels you know, with all the problems and challenges that that brings, whether it's, you know, the carbon emissions, the price volatility and the price uncertainty, the security of supply and, and you know, the geopolitical tensions that, that are associated yeah, uh, absolutely, with, yeah. with, with, with this crisis. So I, I think it's, it's very much at the heart of the, the, the core, you know, climate transition. And my view is if, if we actually get this right over the next, you know, 10, 15 years, it will help to solve a lot of the big macro challenges that face us today um, by helping to ease you know, inflationary pressures, by increasing security of energy supply, improving the resilience in our supply chains, and, and, and reducing the harmful impact of, of climate change. And a lot of people, you know, a lot of people focus on the costs, and, and, it, and it is true, there is an enormous investment required um, to deliver this energy transition. I think McKinsey estimated that it's an additional 3.5 trillion per annum of spending is required. Um, but but it is also worth focusing on on the the benefits and um, you know some really interesting research from Oxford University um, you know which came out over the last couple of months which suggests that you know if we get the switch from fossil fuels right to renewables it could actually save the world as much as as 12 trillion by by 2050. So. You know, there is there is a, 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 a significant cost to the energy transition and a significant you know outlay of capital and investment required. But I think fundamentally, if we get it right, you know, that marginal kilowatt of power is going to cost less. It's going to be more securely available, um, and that and that should feed into you know better uh, you know a better economy for for everyone. So I think it's um, it's 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 both a huge challenge um, and and also uh, you know, a huge, a huge opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it is clear that we're still close to the beginning of the transition, but um, perhaps one small silver lining of the current energy crisis could be that growth in demand for renewables, as you just mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some of the challenges, but maybe also opportunities available to finance professionals to help navigate that energy transition? Mm-hmm. So uh, I think, um, you know, you're absolutely right. I think the, the the rollout of renewables is is you know the, the the most important thing that needs to happen at pace uh, globally. Um, and thankfully, you know, renewables are now a pretty well proven technology. Um, you know, the 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 real challenge is actually um, you know rolling out the, the 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 wind farms, the offshore wind, the solar um, at at pace and scale. Um, and you know, I think the the enormity of the investment. Is is certainly one of the challenges, but you know that's what the finance industry is is here to do. That's what it's here to you know. That's the real purpose of the finance industry is to facilitate you know those investments that that are needed in in our economy. 
I think perhaps one of the big challenges, Rosie, is is on the newer technologies, the newer emerging um, energy transition technologies, things like green hydrogen, things like battery storage, um, things like carbon capture and storage. You know, these are less less proven technologies. They're they're um, you know they're, they're they're some of them are are pretty sort of frontier and and we. We don't have the kind of 10, 15 year time frame to wait that banks usually like um, to wait to see, you know, technologies mature and, 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 and become very proven. The reason we don't have that time is quite simply because we are in a, a crisis. And, it, yeah, and, and we it, don't have time. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 and it really is an emergency. So I think probably in my view, that's perhaps one of the biggest challenges is, is, is that the financial industry at large will have to, to, to get to grips with is. You know, we're going to have to fund um, the rollout of technologies that are still quite new, and there are you know higher technological risks than you know the most actors in the financial industry would typically like to take. But that is you know that that is needed, and it's needed with urgency. Um, and you know, I, I think that's partly a, a kind of a, a risk appetite challenge, and, and and also partly a kind of a technical challenge for for banks to actually really get into the technology and and, and learn. And, um, you know, what what is green hydrogen? How does this industry work? Who are the players? How does the regulation work? And, um, you know, the, the, that that's certainly a, a significant challenge. Yeah, some big education pieces there. So as well as the um, idea that tr- uh, transitioning to a low carbon future is just that, um, a transition that can't be achieved overnight. There's also challenges in ensuring that the transition is just Mm-hmm. So in Guernsey, um, as you probably know, we recently, well, Guernsey Finance recently uh, released a report that offers guidance to investment funds, private wealth, insurance companies in developing those just transition strategies. Yeah. Uh, what yeah. are some of the social considerations that companies should be thinking about when they're implementing the transition to net zero, such as mining issues um, and that kind of thing? Mm-hmm. So a fantastic question, Rosie. And really, uh, you know, I think when we think of the E, S and, and, and G, you know, most most of the attention in the last couple of years has really been around on the, on the E, on the environmental consideration. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but, but uh, you know, increasingly the social considerations are, are really gaining um, attention and, and momentum. Um, and I think that that makes, you know, absolute sense that we can't deliver this transition Without bringing, you know, the wider uh, stakeholders in society along on that journey, and I think without full buy-in from 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 our wider stakeholders, it's going to be really challenging to deliver the policy changes, the economic changes that that are required to develop um, the new low-carbon economy. So, I mean, in, in in practical terms, you know, key considerations that I think about are, you know, how can we help workers operating in, in, in old carbon intensive industries to be retrained, reskilled um, and redeployed into the new economy so that, you know, for example, the, the, the coal miners of South Africa, um, you know, aren't, aren't stranded and, and just left unemployed without, you know, repositioning, reskilling and retraining. Um, we also need to think about our supply chain to ensure that it's fully traceable, transparent, that we understand the working conditions that you know uh, the, the the supply chain incorporates, that workers' rights are respected, and really that we're not just shifting problems from from one part of the planet you know to another. Um, and I think that's a really important you know point to 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 consider that 
this is a global um, problem. It's it's going to take a global solution, and you know the the, the developed economies, um, you know, have to obviously try and decarbonize their own economies and and deal with the social challenges that are associated with that. But really important that the developing economies, um, you know, come along on that same journey, and and that the you know the developing economies lend. As much support as 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 can as can be given, whether that's in the form of actual finance or, you know, the transmission of technological solutions or 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 skills and and training, um, we really need this this transition to be just for all actors and all nations, um, so that there is buy-in from from all stakeholders. The other point I would I would make, Rosie, on this is just around the the making sure that the the the, the costs and the benefits of the transition are, are distributed in the most equitable way possible. Um, and really, in practical terms, that's thinking about you know, how do we make sure that all consumers actually feel the benefit of, of lower energy costs? Um, how do we make sure that, you know, for example, those on lower incomes can access finance to, to, to bring rooftop solar to their homes? Um, to to purchase heat pumps. How do we, you know, enable the retrofitting of of homes that have poor insulation? Um, and how do we make sure that you know low emission transport, such as cycling and electrified public transport, hydrogen powered buses, you know, how do we make sure that that the benefits from 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 those investments are felt throughout society and not just concentrated, for example, in the big cities of the big developing uh, developed countries. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you know, making sure that nobody's left behind. Everybody, as you say, global solution to global problems. Yeah, now, I absolutely. Think, uh, I think the day that we're recording this is the day that COP twenty seven gets underway. But if we look back to COP twenty six, something that wasn't agreed was the allocation of capital to developing nations to help them transition and adapt to climate change. Um, can you talk us through some of the developments here since COP twenty six? Yeah, so uh, it, 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 it's true, Rosie, for sure. You know, I think developed nations have fallen short of, of their commitments um, to provide 100 billion of, of climate finance per annum to uh, developing nations. And, you know, that, I guess that that is disappointing. Um, you know, I think the actual number delivered is, is, is subject to some debate, um, you know, with, with developed nations uh, suggesting that they've, you know, facilitated more than, than what you know those recipient nations um, are saying. So, yeah. I, I think what one one thing that really needs to happen and happen quickly is that we get transparency around these flows, and, and you know we have agreement on what what is actually included, what is counted, um, and 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 so that this debate on you know how much climate finance has been provided, um, you know, can be solved because it's in everyone's interest that we have. One set of figures um, and, and 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 a transparent you know position. I get you know from 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 a HSBC perspective, you know we made a commitment in back in 2020 to uh, provide and facilitate between 750 billion and and a, and a trillion dollars of sustainable finance by by 2030. Um, and we've been doing well on 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 you know delivering towards that commitment. Um, at the end of December 20, we we'd hit 44 billion towards the pledge. Wow. By twenty by twenty one, that was um, one hundred and twenty seven billion, so a further eighty three billion. Um, and we continue to make strong progress achieving that goal with 
the figure as at June of this year at 171 billion. Um, and you know, I, I think reasonably confident we'll be we'll be crossing over that 200 billion mark pretty soon. So um, we are we are doing our best as as a, as a global you know financial institution, and we recognise the role that we have to play. Um, but but I think it is it's and it's a key point of discussion at, at COP27 this year is you know can we make real tangible progress on on the pledges from you know climate finance from from developed nations to developing nations and and hopefully that is something that there will be progress made on at, at, at COP27 in Egypt. All eyes are on Egypt at the moment. Um, so it's great to hear some of the developments that have been made since COP26. Um, and yeah, looking ahead to COP27, what do you think would be some good outcomes for that meeting? Yeah, so I think, look, I think that the, the 100 billion figure that we've just discussed is is one of the key topics um, that, that is, on, on you know, for discussion. Um, you know, I think really important that we see transparency on on the climate finance flows from from developed uh, nations to developing nations um i think another key point of discussion um at, at cop 27 is 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 a call for a doubling of adaptation finance um so from from around 20 billion up to 40 billion dollars um and progress towards a new you know what's been termed a new collective quantified goal on on climate finance Mm-hmm. And the the aim here is really to contribute to the the Paris Agreement and be transformational in supporting future mobilisation, access, and and delivery of of climate finance. So, you know, I think I think there is a, a and justifiably so, Rosie, a big focus on 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 the finance um, numbers and the flows, and um, you know, it, 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 we really need you know we can't have another you know, year or two or three of missed pledges. Um, and and I think it's it's time for, for you know, developed nations to, to stand up and, you know, provide the financing that is needed to facilitate the, the transition in developing countries and, and do so in a, in a clear and, and transparent fashion where, you know, we've, the, 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 the debate on the numbers is, is, is finally put to rest. Um, yeah, I think, I, think I, I mean, each, each COP does make incremental progress i think perhaps cop 26 was 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 a you know a very important cop and look i'm not saying cop 27 is not important but i think it's it's um it's more incremental gains i think that we would hope for this time rather than you know, some of the more trans- transformational gains um at cop 26 i mean just to touch on a few other you know i guess development since cop 26 you know we have had some significant you know global um developments in 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 things like forest deforestation so you know in 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 the interim period between cop 26 and cop 27 we've had um leaders from 144 countries that have committed to collectively halt and and reverse forest loss and and land degradation by by 2030 um, we've also seen some good progress on methane with 122 countries that signed up for the global methane pledge, um, which commits to limiting methane emissions by, by 30%. And also on electric vehicles. I mean, I, I don't know what it's like in Guernsey, but certainly here in, here in Ireland, we're really starting to see electric vehicles pop up um, everywhere. Um, and, you know, I was, I was looking at some stats recently. I mean, there's some really encouraging countries like Norway, for example, where I think 80% of, of new vehicles are um, uh, are, are electric, um, and we had a lot of big pledges over the last 12 months um, in terms of the phasing out of uh, of the internal combustion engine. Um, I think 
39 countries, 14 automotive manufacturers and, and, and various other cities and, and, and fleet owners have all set out targets um, you know, to, to, to phase out the sale or to end the sale of um, ICE uh, or internal combustion engines by, by 2040 globally um, and by 2035 in, in, in many leading markets. And, and some markets are actually even before that in 2030. So there has been some good progress. Um, but you know we need to keep up the pace, and um, there's, there's there's an enormous amount of of work to be done to deliver um, the transition and and to keep the pace up. Yeah, absolutely, and and you know you could almost say like we've made a start, but we probably should accelerate on on those gains. Um, everything that you've described so far around the energy transition just shows how necessary it is, mm-hmm. but also that this is such a serious global challenge it's going to have to be managed effectively um yeah. then that requires a huge amount of skills excellent governance touching on that g of esg um yeah. how do you think we should develop our future and current leaders so that they're up to the challenge of, of implementing getting it over the line that transition yeah great great question and um one you know one that we're always thinking about in, in hsbc is is, <laughs> is, is, is you know how, how do we actually continue to upskill ourselves um how do we develop you know the 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 the, the talent of of you know today and the, the future leaders of tomorrow um so i've been actually involved um this week in in the development of several in, in internal workshops um that we're hoping to 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 roll out globally on on the topic but um I think I think look I think the first thing I would say is is we need the right tone from the top um and and whether you know we're looking at uh, the leaders of our, our our nations um or we're looking at the leaders of our sort of you know fundamental institutions things like the central bank and the regulators um but we also need you know leadership from the top in 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 our financial institutions and in our businesses and and, and corporates and I think that tone from the top really does permeate, the, you know, into the, the, the you know, the wider um, industry and the, and the wider society. Um, and I think fundamental that we have the right tone from the top and, you know, that we, I guess, we move on from the debate as to, you know, is are we having a climate crisis or not? I think that's, you know, certainly from my perspective, that's that that debate is over. Yeah. <laughs> um, and um, you know, we, we, I, I think then it comes down to training and 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 the developing of the skills. And I'm actually about to start a, um, a course myself um, next week um, uh, from Imperial College on a leadership course on on sustainability. Um, I know that a lot of the you know the 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 people involved in sustainability, for example, within within my institution, are, are continually training and, and learning and um, signing up to new courses um, but I, I also think you know this this is something that begins in schools it begins in in universities and um, you know it's certainly a topic that I can see from my own kids for example um, you know a lot more interesting and you can see you know they're, they're they're running various events in their in in their in their schools to help you know educate and build awareness on the topic. Um, from a university perspective, you know, I think it, it's 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 increasingly becoming a core uh, module in, in in many courses. Certainly, um, familiar with a number of leading uh, universities that are that are actively incorporating sustainability into their business courses and their MBA courses. Um, and I also think that the you know the enhanced reporting and regulation that is you know coming down the tracks. 
you know, in Europe, we've got things like CSRD that are really going to be uh, game changers for, for, for the reporting on sustainability. And I think those additional regulatory requirements, you know, they're going to force training and learning and education because once, once you have to report um, um, in, in, in a lot of detail, um, in, a, in a very granular fashion on things like scope one, scope two, scope three emissions, you know, your, your, your institution's approach to climate risks, um, you know, the impact of your company or business on the climate, um, it, becomes, it becomes something very tangible and real. And, and I do think that is driving, um, you know, demand for training and demand for um, education in, in, in the space. Um, and, and I can really only see that, that growing. And, and um, it's such an evolving space that it's not as if you can just do one course and say, right, that's it. I'm trained in this topic. It's really a, a, you know, a process of continual learning and staying up to date with, with, you know, the, 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 the topical debates of, 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 of the day and um, listening in to, you know, the various COP summits and, 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 um, and continually, I guess, trying to upskill um, and, you know, the, 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 the point you made around governance is, is really important as well. I mean, it's, 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 you know, we've certainly, um, you know, the topic of greenwashing is something that comes up regularly in, 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 in discussions with clients and really important that, you know what we what we do is is really transparent and can be stood over and you know science based um, based targets um, underpinning the the, um, the the transition. Yeah, I, I think those that's absolutely right. And you know, as you're saying with the education thing, it's almost a, a opening your perspective and thinking, well, what can I do? What can my organisation do? And then broadening it out from there. Yeah. Um, I imagine lots of people who listen to this podcast um, or small business owners who are starting to tackle how they think the transition might go for them mm-hmm. are probably feeling quite nervous about the scale of the challenge. And as you say, the, you know, the possibility of, um, you know, are they doing the right thing or is it simply greenwashing? Yeah. Um, my final question, Ross, is what would you say to people who are starting to uh, finance the transition? Mm-hmm. I, I... I think it's really interesting when we go and speak to companies across Europe and the, the range of, 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 of customers that we have, um, you can really feel the different levels um, of, 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 of understanding and preparedness on this topic. Um, you know, the, the, the big global multinational companies, they have teams, they have resources and, you know, they already probably have extensive sustainability reporting and they're capturing great rich data on their uh, carbon emissions. And that's one end of the spectrum. And at the other end of the spectrum, you know, you have small business owners who are struggling with, you know, inflation, struggling with uh, the energy crisis and struggling with, you know, perhaps a slowing economy and just a generally pretty challenging outlook. And, um, and dealing with this topic, you know, for many of those small businesses feels like another big burden and another cost. But I guess my advice would be, you know, really don't delay the decision any further um and as hard as it may seem it really is the time to get started on you know positioning your business um for for the future that lies ahead and that's really how i i think about this is you know the the the, the world economy is changing um i think what's happening today is is perhaps the you know the greatest change that we're going to see um, of of our economy certainly since you know the industrial revolution, and 
you know, the, 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 the businesses of today are, are going to have to look very different in, in five years, in 10, in 15, 20 years time. And, you know, this, this topic is really going to drive um, the evolution of the economy over that period. And it's not going to be a linear journey. There'll be challenges, there'll be bumps in the road, you know, there'll be future crises or crises that we, we don't, we don't even know what they will be today. Um, but I do think that the momentum behind this transition is, is now unstoppable. And um, for businesses, you know, to, to, to position themselves accordingly um, to deal with not just the risks from the energy transition and the climate transition, but also to capture those opportunities. And, um, you know, I think the automotive industry is, 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 a, is a good example. You know, I think if we look back a couple of years ago, you know, there were quite a few of the big um, automotive um, companies were, were debating as to, you know, whether whether EV was going to be, you know, the, the, the future of the industry. And some moved more quickly than others. And we look at the success of, of businesses like Tesla, um, you know, you, you can see the, the first mover advantage really very, very clearly. Um, and now we see, you know, many, many, of the biggest players are all pivoting towards, um, you know, developing EVs, um, and and you know, I I think it's it's a it's a good example of how the transition is happening today. It's already started, and you know, you you as a business owner or leader or board member, um, you know, really have a, a responsibility um, to 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 accept that this transition is happening and and position your business accordingly build the skills, you know, uh, develop a transition plan, understand how your business impacts on the climate, how the climate impacts on your business, um, and, and, you know, create a roadmap as to how you're going to evolve and, and deal with the, the, the risks along the way and, and also capture those opportunities. So in, in a word, I think it's really, you know, just get started um, <laughs> yeah. and, 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 and don't delay that decision anymore. As uh, you know, we do still meet businesses that are kind of haven't even really begun to think about this, um, this topic. And um, I think, I think, you know, time will run out for those businesses and I think it will run out, you know, quite, quite quickly. Mm, now is the time. Thank you so much, Ross, for joining us um, and for sharing your time and your insights today. It has been fascinating. Um, I'd also like to thank you for tuning into today's podcast and listening. You can learn more about energy transition uh, by reading our report. It's called Private Finance and its role in supporting the transition to net zero. Uh, and that was authored um, by Emily Farrand of Beringa Partners. And we've also got a podcast interview with her. Um, we have quite a back catalogue of interviews and panel discussions on the Guernsey Green Finance podcast channel. You can check them out by searching for Guernsey Green Finance wherever you get your podcasts. And if you en enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a review or a comment. We always love to get your feedback. You can also find us at guernseygreenfinance.org and weareguernsey.com. You can interact with us on Twitter at gsygreenfinance and at weareguernsey. You can hear more news uh, and developments that are coming out of Guernsey's finance industry. Check out the We Are Guernsey podcast on your preferred platform. We'll also have links to Ross and HSBC's social media in our show notes as well. And we'll be back soon with another edition of the Guernsey Green Finance podcast. <laughs>